The Bible Study Podcast, episode 106. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of Luke with the end of chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off last week with the Christmas story, and we continue on today with Luke starting in verse 41. And verse 41 is one of the only things in the Bible that talks about Jesus in between the Christmas story and Jesus' ministry. So this is one of the only things that covers what we think is roughly a 30-year period. And one thing we need to realize is that the gospel writers had only so much Material They had only so much scroll length to use. And Luke is about the maximum length of a scroll at that time. And so Luke chose to include just a little glimpse into Jesus' boyhood. Starting in verse 41. Each year his parents went to Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. To those of you who have ever had a 12-year-old child, you may understand why, as you're traveling with a large group of relatives, you wouldn't expect your child to stand by you and walk with you the whole way. And so Jesus' parents have one of those terrible moments as parents where they look around and they realize that they don't know where their son is. And they've been traveling a day's journey away from Jerusalem before they realize this. And so they hurry back and they find him here in the temple teaching and learning from the teachers. It's interesting to note here that at 12, Jesus has an idea at least whose son he is. And at 12, already people are astonished at his wisdom. Now, we don't know what it was he was saying to people. We just know that they were astonished at that. At this point, the gospel skips about 20 years, and that's all we get of Jesus' boyhood. And it goes back to that other person, that other birth that we had there in chapter 1, which is John the Baptist. And so starting in Luke 3, John the Baptist. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Eturia and Traconitus, and Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, 
preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see salvation. So first Luke sets this particular time period, and he sets it by who's in charge. And we see at this point that unlike when Jesus was born, there isn't a Jewish king. Well, Herod wasn't exactly Jewish, but he was a close relative. And the reason is that Herod the Great's son was so bad that the Jewish people asked for a governor instead. And so they have Pontius Pilate at this time instead of a Jewish king in Judea. And one of Herod's other sons is up in Galilee. One of the other interesting things, and we'll get to this more later on, well later in the book, is it says, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas. Now, only one man at a time could be high priest. Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. And to limit the power of the high priest, the Romans required that someone only be high priest, as I recall, for a year. But Annas managed to hold on to power by having other members of his family be high priest. And so, as Luke puts it, they're kind of both high priest, which is not really the way it's supposed to work. But we'll get into that much, much later in the book. And so John comes, and John is preaching a word directly from the prophet Isaiah. Basically, prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. Everything should be made ready as you would make ready for the coming of a king, where you smooth out the highways and you prepare to see, as he says, God's salvation. And John is quite the sight to see, and so people came to see him. And it continues on in verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So John was a real fire and brimstone sort of preacher. He is saying that they need to repent, they need to not be so complacent in their relationship to Abraham because God can make children of Abraham out of rocks even. And so he is looking for them to change. He is looking for them to really show fruit of repentance, really show actions that go along with words that say, I repent. And so the crowd asks very naturally, in verse 10, what should we do then, the crowd asks. John answered, the man who has two tunics should share with him who has none. The one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were all waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. So the people want practical things that can show fruit of repentance. And one thing he says is they should share with those who have less. And then the tax collectors come. And remember, a tax collector is somebody who works for Rome. They are somebody who is a turncoat. So this is not just somebody who works for the IRS. It's somebody who works for the people who have come in to rule our country from afar. And so they are traitors to their people is how they are seen. And they don't have a strict tax law. They don't have a salary. They get to collect whatever they can collect. They are required to collect a certain amount. They have bought the privilege of being a tax collector in this area. And so he says, don't collect more than you're required to. Don't make yourself rich through this process of collecting taxes, which is exactly why someone would buy a tax collectorship. And the soldiers also, apparently, who've been grumbling about their pay, apparently, he says, don't exhort money. So the soldiers, because they had power, could accuse people falsely and take things, could exhort money from them because they were soldiers. And so he says to treat people well, basically. And so everybody is seeing John, and they're going out to the wilderness to see John, and he is very different from the teachers they expect, and they say, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the Messiah, and John knows he's not. And John says, no, in fact, the one who is coming is so much greater than I that I can't, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And so they are left with expecting even more. And It's interesting here, I love this phrase, he talks about the one who is coming who is going to bring his winnowing fork, who's going to gather up the wheat, he's going to burn the chaff, and with other words, John exhorted people and preached the good news to them. Note that Luke is interpreting all that John is saying, this fire and brimstone preaching as good news. Well, what is the good news here? The good news is all mankind will see God's salvation from verse 6. And remember we said Luke's message, again, is the universal nature of Jesus, that Jesus wasn't intended just for Jews. And so we see that again here in verse 6, and that is good news. And so Despite the fact that he's telling people to repent and change, he's saying repent and change because God is coming and God is acting and the Messiah is here. And John gets himself in trouble because it says of Herod the Tetrarch and Herodias' brother's wife, who Herod has married. And so John tells Herod that that's a bad idea, that that is wrong, that that is sinful, and he ends up in prison. And we're going to end the story that week with this, and next week we'll jump into probably not my favorite part of the Gospel of Luke, which is the genealogy, but there's something to be said for why that is in there, and we're going to look at that in a little more detail next week. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at host at com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening.
I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.